Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment presents What Happened, a true crime podcast that will explore one new case each episode. We will explore some terrible circumstances and make an honest attempt to talk about what happened, uncover what happened, and then share with you what happened. Without further ado, let's dive into this case and try to figure out exactly what happened. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of What Happened, and this is going to be a true crime podcast. I'm really excited to be coming to you today. This is Ralph Lark, and I have a special friend. I have my friend, Rosalie, who's joining us as well today. She's going to help us out talking about a special case. Rosalie, how are you enjoying your quarantine time so far? Um, You know, I'm just trying to follow the rules and stay home. Uh, the sooner we get to do, you know, stay home, the sooner we get to go back and live our normal lives. Um, but yeah, just been listening to a lot of murder podcasts and true crime, so <laughs> keeping busy. <laughs> and um, we discussed this earlier. Uh, wine's been my my quarantine BFF, so there's that. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, I'm excited to talk about these true crimes. And we, you know, it's been something that I want to do for a little bit. I like the genre. I love the whodunits. I love talking about this stuff. And I know you like this stuff, too. So it made sense while we're all stuck at home. Why don't we just kind of get the ball rolling on this stuff? And before we kind of get into it, um, just a couple of things. Number one, we may have banter, guys. We may have back and forth, and it may be anecdotal, <laughs> but I don't think that's in any way indicative of us, like, you know, like uh, being disrespectful of what happened to these people. Yeah. You, is that fair to say? You know what I mean? Like, I just want to throw that little disclaimer out there. So yeah. that's the first thing. Second thing, guys, there are a lot of places that you can listen to this podcast. And you got to get your little ears ready. I'm going to tell you right now a couple of places where you can hear it. <clears throat> you can go to the website, www.tigerbombsae.com. There's going to be a page for what happened on that website. You can click on that page. You can see the other podcasts that are at Tiger Bomb as well. Pretty cool stuff there. So that's the first way you can listen to this. Guys, if you are somebody that likes to listen to podcasts on the go, maybe you're doing some chores, I was going to say commuting to and from work, but ain't nobody doing that right now. But if you can like <laughs> to sort of step on the go, we can, we can help you out too. Um, you can listen to this um, podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff, it's the same. All you got to do is search TigerBombForceAudioEntertainment.com. You got to put the whole company name in, guys. If you just put Tiger Bomb in there, some weird stuff might pop up. Maybe even some stuff about Carol Baskin now. Who knows? But yeah. if you put O company name in, Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to like and subscribe, and that way you won't miss anything. You'll see all the podcasts we have, but you'll be able to listen to this there too right on your phone. All right? There, we have it. 
the way that you can Easy. sort of intersect with that. Easy peasy. All right. Now, <clears throat> before we kind of jump into this um, true crime thing today, Rosalie, I want to take a step back and just kind of let pe- give you a chance to tell people, you know, why this kind of stuff interests you, like how you kind of got, you know, into it a little bit and, you know, maybe what is some of your, you know, a podcast or maybe a show that you like to, to listen to. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. And actually it's funny because I think you and I started, you know, it's kind of always like a weird topic to bring up with people, murder, true crime, disappearances, and cases <laughs> like this. Sometimes you feel like the weirdo that's like obsessed with this kind of stuff. And you're like, there's really no one like me. But then I feel like you and I started talking about things and it was just like, oh, you're into this too. Cool. I'm not alone. Um, but I've always been a fan of like, you know, Dateline, Forensic Files, um, uh, now podcasts are amazing. Like you can consume so many different types of podcasts, whether it be true crime or in this particular case, we're going to be talking about is just like unexplained, you know, mysteries pretty much of what happens to people. So I think I've always been interested in it. And then when you find someone you can just like vibe with and talk about it and you don't feel like a weirdo, it makes it pretty cool. You're like, Hey, did you hear about this? Or like you and I would always chat about, did you watch this episode, this date line? So, and 2020 and, all that stuff. So it's always kind of like a big, like, I don't know. I just am so interested in it. So it's just, it's cool that you find friends that are also a little bit weird like you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And um, certainly helps, you know, pass the workday by banter and about stuff like that. And like you say, not easy to always find um, those kinds of people. And I think for me, I, I sort of, you know, got into it, you know, the same thing, 2020 Dateline, stuff like that. But the, the the thing about it that drives me up a wall is, like, you see some of these heinous acts, and in my mind, Rosalie, I go, oh, my God, an actual person did this? Like, it's just, like, yeah. baffling for me that there are people out there. So I just had this, like, you know, unique interest in it just off of the ambiguity and just the bizarreness of it based on my little wholesome, you know, upbringing, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's true, because yeah. you always think, like, oh, this can't happen, or, you know, maybe, you know, it hasn't happened in your area or community, but then you start listening to these cases, and you're like, whoa, this is everywhere and anywhere. So I think it's also, like, yeah. a way of being, like, um, I don't know, more informed and always vigilant, if that makes any sense. Like, now I find myself always, like, aware of my surroundings, and uh, yeah. also just, like, looking into police cases to me, too and how things go wrong with even the smallest, like, slightest, like, a thing that was overlooked or underlooked or something like that. So that always, like, catches my attention as well. I think so, too. And it's definitely made me a little more vigilant as well. Certainly you as a young lady, I would imagine. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So that's <clears throat> a bit of how we both kind of came to, you know, be interested in this sort of stuff. Um, now. Let's. I, I say let's just dive on in and talk about what we have is actually not. We don't know if it's a murder because this is unsolved. And we are talking yeah. today about the disappearance of one Brandon Swanson from Minnesota. I'm excited to talk about this one. So um, I'll jump right in. Rosalie is going to keep me in line as I try to give you guys the the rundown here. Okay, 
Yeah. Let me say before I get going, people, if you know something, say something. Like you got to reach out to authorities. Any information, families like Brandon's are always still looking for information, and they and some of their worst fears are that their loved one will be forgotten. So certainly, yeah. if you have any information, what I will do is I'm going to have. There's going to be a page on Facebook. I don't know if I'm going to get to it exactly today, but very soon after this episode, there will be a page on Facebook for um, what happened for this podcast. And so when I post this episode on that Facebook page and when I post it to Twitter from our What Happened Twitter account, I will also give you guys the links of where you can go to to report if you know something. All right. So Yeah. There's and there's so many ways nowadays to just remain anonymous. And if you know, if you could just be, if you remember something, maybe you don't think it's significant because I think that happens a lot of times. It's like, oh, well, this happened, but maybe it has nothing to do with it. There's so many ways to just remain anonymous and just, you know, it might be absolutely nothing, but it could be a link in this um, as well. So why not just say something if you, if you think you have even the smallest insignificant piece of information? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So on to Brandon Swanson. This young man, 5'5", 125 pounds approximately. He wore glasses, blind in his left eye. He was 19 years old when last seen on May 14, 2008. Oh, I remember 2008. I remember those days. Um, yeah. And he was last seen in Canby, Minnesota in his green Chevy Lumina. He was, so, so let's, Break it down. Let's sort of run it back to these guys. So Brandon was going to a couple of parties, a couple end-of-the-year graduation parties, and he attended Minnesota West Community uh, and Technical College in Canby. So he was going to another tech college in Iowa um, for a year before transferring to um, like a, like that was his plan, like go to this other tech college in Iowa for a year and then transfer to university. So this finishing up this time plan. in Minnesota. Yeah, this was like the beginning. This was like he knocked off step one of the plan is what I'm trying to say, basically. So Brandon's going out for a couple of parties. Um, the first party was a little smaller, and then he's going to go to a bigger party in Canby. So Brandon leaves the first party no problem. Um, he is, I think this party was in Lind, right? It's a small gathering. Yeah, and it was a small gathering. It said about six to eight people, just close friends, having a couple of drinks. I mean, it was their last day of school, kind of like a big hurrah, I guess you would say. And then he leaves there to go to Candy. Exactly. So let's uh lind is actually uh an 11 minute drive southwest down route uh what's what's that i forget what route six i think it is or i believe it's route 68 or highway 68 is that correct he was that's the the highway between the lind can be kind of just supposed to be like a straight shot through all these little like can be lind all these you know towns yep and that's supposed to be an 11-minute drive from, from Marshall. Okay. So Brandon drank at the first party. 
is something that we can come back to later, but I want to establish that right now. Would you say that that's fair to say? We can we can debate whether he had one drink or a couple of drinks, or we don't know how many drinks, but would you say it's fair to say that Brandon Swanson had at least, he had something to drink at that first party? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, again, he's 19. I mean, if we just think about what we were doing when we were 19 and it's our last day of, you know, college, I'm sure, you know, like you said, you can't, we, we don't know. There's no proof of anything, whether you said right. one drink, two drinks, intoxicated, non-intoxicated. But we also have to think you're 19 and in college and it's the last day of school. Um, yep. You know, you're just having a couple drinks with your friend. I mean, I remember being 19, a lot different than I am now, right? So, yeah, I yep. think that's a very fair assumption. And it's been um, recorded on, you know, numerous uh, numerous people have stated that, you know, he was drinking. And so if his friends are willing to say that he had one drink, I'm willing to entertain that, you know, it was possibly even more than that. We know how kids are, right? They're not going to mm-hmm. tell your parents you were, like, taking them back. You know what I mean? Like, they'll say, oh, you had one drink. So all we can really say is Brandon had something to drink. We don't know how intoxicated he was, if at all. Now, Brandon leaves the first party alone between 10.30 and 11 p.m. He then drives to the second party to say goodbye to a classmate in Canby. Uh, and this is where his school is, right? This is where the school is in Canby. Right. Has at least one shot of whiskey. This is reported from people at the party, okay? Um, yeah. Leaves alone around 12 a.m. Between 12 a.m. and 1.30. That's in question, when he leaves or whatever. And so he's going to be heading home to Marshall right here. All right. How am I doing so far? I Yeah, great. I just, um, yeah, you hit it, like, as far as saying the timeline. I think that's also, like, in a couple of different areas where I kind of found, too, like, what time did he actually leave this party? Um, but I guess, right, right. you know, it's not, it's just up and, it's so many questions. But that's one of the questions I had as well, like, what time? Um, did he leave, or who's the last person to have seen him leave the party? And it makes sense that if they're drinking, they're not really paying attention to the time, unless they really got to be in for curfew. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, so I'm assuming they kind of got, you know, free range to come and go to a certain degree to where they're not really actively checking, you know, watches or phones. Like, if they were going to be in high school or something, they got to be at home at 11 o'clock, so. Yeah. And again, okay. going back to being uh, 19, and you're not really tracking how much your friend is drinking. You really don't know, right? So that's why, like you said, we know he drank something. We can't be sure how much, but yeah. Yeah, but he drank something. All right. So his so he's going to return home to Marshall. Now, Marshall is about 30, 35 minutes on Route 68 from Canby. So this is a straight shot. And, Rosalie, I know you have some of these maps, too. I have my maps right here. Route 68, it don't curve. It don't bend. It's a straight shot, okay? So, Brandon drove this daily to and from school to home. So, he would have been very familiar. Yep. Yep. You would think it's safe to assume he's done this drive multiple times, and he should know where he's going if he's taking Route 68 from Canby 
where his school is and where this party is to his home back in Marshall. You would just assume that he would know. But, but. But, but. Who <laughs> doesn't take Route 68? Brandon takes the bachelor for some reason. So let's talk a little bit about why Brandon takes the back roads. And from what I've been able to get from from my sort of research is the main reason I'm thinking of, we don't have a real reason, obviously, right? But the main reason I'm thinking of is that he had a DUI prior. And if he was drinking... Yep. Yeah, or maybe he was scared of getting a DUI. He's 19, he's underage, he's consumed some, you know, alcohol. And taking the main road would, he probably was thinking, you know, 19-year-old, I shouldn't have been drinking, but, like, I'm not going to take the main road. Let me take these back roads um, where I'm less likely to be pulled over, whatever the case may be, because if he was pulled over, one, he's 19, so he's underage, and two, he's been drinking. So that could be, yep. you know, big trouble. So, again, not a bad kid, but he had a DUI prior. So, at one point, he messed up before, to some degree, having something to do with alcohol. We know earlier in this evening, he drank to some degree. It's been established. We don't know how much, but we do know that at this point in the evening, Brandon had had something to drink, and it's true that he had a DUI prior, and so he decides to take the back roads. I'm thinking that these are the two reasons why takes the back roads just to be safe and think about it even if you didn't like maybe he was just so he could have been scared straight from the DUI before I mean even if he did just have one shot like he could he could literally have been so shaken by the whole experience that he's like I'm not even going to risk it but I guess what I'm saying is I think because he had some interaction with alcohol earlier is the definite reason why he didn't you know, didn't take Route 68. Yeah, and even when I looked into that prior, I I just wasn't able, it's really hard to find any sort of information, whether he did have a prior incident with alcohol and drinking or not, or if, you know, there's just so many questions even with the investigation, but I mean, that's something we'll we'll get into a little bit later. Um, But yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think we're all under the same kind of understanding that maybe he took the back roads again to avoid um, police. Just any kind of hassle. We're talking about Minnesota. I know what it's like in, in Chicago. I know what it's like in Illinois. I know what these stadiums are like when they're bored and it's the Midwest. I know what that's like. And I can just see for a myriad of reasons him being like, all right, I'm, you know, I, I'm just not going to, you know, take that chance. So, Okay. Brandon, okay, so here, okay, here's where things get a little weird, right? Brandon is driving through these back roads, and he gets his car, like, stuck in a ditch. So let me try to, like, illustrate this point to you guys, because I was trying to, like, um, figure out exactly what was going on here. So these roads, like, like these little side roads, they are just, like, the like you got you guys got to think about a narrow lane with a small ditch on each side like so it's like a raised narrow gravel road raised over these ditches on each side and then there's just corn on each side too for miles and miles and miles so 
Brandon is going down these back roads, and at some point, he try he gets his car stuck in a ditch. Okay, now where the car was, like I have that information, I have it on maps, and mm-hmm. the thing about it is, I don't want to talk about where it is yet. I just want to talk about this, like being on that road and what happened. Okay. Yeah. So if Brandon thinks that he's not going in the right direction, which could be possible because he's taking back roads, which he may be unfamiliar with, and it's dark. It's easy to get lost in these parts anyway. We're talking about Minnesota farm farmland. Um, it's very all, you know, it all looks like it's dark at night. There's no city light. Mm-hmm. There's no light, period. Very easy to get dark anyway. So Brandon could have easily got turned around and decided that he needed to make, you know, make a turnaround. This gravel road you can't like do a u-turn like it's too narrow like you have to go off of the road a bit to do it and so i just think that the ditch like maybe he didn't you know maybe he couldn't judge it or Mm -hmm. as some people have hypothesized in other podcasts you know it could have been a scenario of think about like when you're lost rosalie you know what i mean like nobody like is calmly lost you're not like super hurried but you are trying to, like, get back to what you think is the right way. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's been surmised that maybe he, like. Uh, I think like, that's, like, like he, the evidence of the first thing is, like, he was clearly confused. Because if he's attempting yeah. to do a U-turn or turn around, I feel like that just speaks to the fact that he was lost um, or confused or wasn't sure of where he was. Yet, when we get further along, we see yep. it's you know, it's contrary, but I think this is proof that clearly he's not, he doesn't really know where he is, which again, like I you think said, he was being lost. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was trying to turn around. So, and from, from everything that you see presented, just, you know, in terms of the road, I'm looking at it just in terms of how narrow it is and stuff. That, I think that's what happened. Now, Brandon tries to call two or three of his friends by phone. Okay, he can't get anybody, which to me, again, I, like, let's put ourselves in this place. You're 19 years old. You're yeah. lost. If you haven't been drinking and you're lost and you have no idea where you are, like, are, why do you call your friend? You know what I yeah. mean? And if And if they haven't been drinking... Why don't they pick up? So just something I want to throw in right there. Um, now, 1.54 a.m., Brandon calls his parents, tells them he got the car stuck in the ditch. Said he was somewhere between Marshall and Lind just off the highway, okay? So his parents know exactly where that is. That was a map here, Marshall and Lind. Said he was walking towards his town just off the highway. Okay. Um, now, maybe he called his friends and went in thinking that they were closer to where he was as opposed to his parents. I'll kind of entertain that a little bit. That's the only thing I can think of. But anyways, the parents set out to find him. They go exactly to where he stands. Brandon told them he was on the left side of the road, just off Highway 23, 10 minutes from their home. That's where he said he was. 
They go there. They're looking for him. They can't find him. He's telling them where he is. I imagine there's some frustration building here. Yeah. Um, He's adamant, like, in, he's He's saying, this is where I am, again, which, I mean, yeah, he's he's telling them I'm here, Um, my heart's stuck, come help me. So so here's where it would happen. At 217, because he called them at 154. So at 217 is when all this starts to happen, because that's when they call him back to say, we don't, like, you know, like, we can't. We can't find you. Okay, they should have found where you. Where you say you are. Right, exactly. So they decide to flash the headlights. Brandon doesn't see them. They don't see him. Now Brandon's getting frustrated. Okay, he's told them where he is. They can't see him. They say exactly where he is. They hang up. They hang up. Him and his mom. They hang up. Mom calls back. After a couple of minutes, I suppose apologizes, you know, whatever. And then... Mom, sorry, I'm 19 years old and I'm getting frustrated with you, right? I mean, that's that's just 19-year-old behavior. You're frustrated. Mom, Dad, no, I'm here. Like, that's probably, you know, a conversation that maybe we've all had with our parents where we are like, no, like, you're wrong, I'm right sort of situation. So here's another shaky part. For whatever reason, dad takes mom back home. Then dad is back on the search for Brandon. Uh, He tells dad he's leaving the gravel road to cut across land because it will be quicker than following the road. These two fence lines, and he hears running water nearby. Now, Brandon thinks he's walking toward Lynn, away from Marshall, where he will just meet with his dad, uh, and I, and um, he's really probably walking actually more towards this other town that's much closer to Canby called Porter. That's probably where he was walking towards. He says so he's walking towards lights. Isn't that correct, Ralph? He says, like, he's walking towards, like, yes. city lights or, okay. Yes. yes. And so he thinks that those lights are, are toward Lynn, but I, but based on where his car was found, which is in between Todden and Porter and the direction he's walking, it's probably Porter lights that he thinks he sees. Yeah. So at 310, his dad hears him say, oh, shoot. And then he hears a slip. And that's it. The phone line goes dead. Now, so now the, he calls back five, six, six times. The phone rings and goes to voicemail. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, back, that's just so interesting, to, like, just to how the call ended. And also, just want to say his parents said that he did not sound intoxicated during their 47-minute-long conversation. 47-long-minute conversation after they called him to say, listen, um, you know, we can't find you. Now, guys, that's the last time they anybody's ever heard from Brandon. That is the story right there. So the only other thing that happened after that is they found his car. 
due to the, the cell phone uh, ping, the last cell phone ping in Minyota. So they found the car open, like actually, with Rosalie, was it actually open? I think they found the car actually open, not just that the so doors were unlocked. Yeah, and that's the thing that, again, there's so many unanswered questions, and it's not like we could, have, like, see a police report. But um, in a lot of things that I, like, found and read, in fact, um, this is some, I'm jumping ahead, but on one of the reports, uh, or not reports, but he's part of the VICAP, which is, we'll go into it, but in that particular thing, if you go, like, on SCI's list, in that uh, where he's listed on here, it actually says, that um, Brandon was last seen on May 14, 2008, leaving a friend's house. His car was found abandoned in a ditch with car doors open and keys missing. It doesn't, you know, car door open. I mean, that leads me to think that the doors are actually open versus unlocked because I would think that the verbiage here would have been with the doors unlocked and missing keys. But it specifically says in a ditch with car doors open and mm-hmm. keys missing. So that's yep. kind of strange to me. And I'm also looking at, so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to be, take his description as literal as possible. He talked about being on the gravel road. So he wanted to get off the, gra- uh, leaving the gravel road that he was on. So off of Highway 68 coming from Canby, off of those uh, back roads where he was, there is a gravel road that goes towards Lynn. There is two other gravel roads that go, like, east-west, which make more sense to me. We could have been on one of those roads because those are more in line for where his car was found. That's the thing, too, that's really strange. So let me see if I can paint this picture. I want everybody to think about a, a line that is just a straight line. So from left to right, it's going to go diagonal in a downward motion. So it's going to be like the top of the line is Canby on the left, the bottom of the line is Marshall on the right. So, guys, along these, this line are these other little towns we're talking about. So if you think about from end to end, Canby to Marshall, in between there's Porter, Totten, Minneota, and Ghent. And these are all um, about equal distance from one another, all down Route 68. So his car was found in between Porter and Totten, very close to Totten, very close to Totten, off of a gravel road over there. So that's pretty far from where he thought he was. He's actually – It's about 20 miles, right? It's about a 20-mile difference from where he is insisting and where his parents are looking for him to where his vehicle was actually recovered. I mean, it's – again, clear that Brandon was confused as to where he was. I mean, that's, if anything, that's one thing that we know. Yep. It's northwest of where he thought he was. He thought he was somewhere not anywhere close to where he was. Again, Mm -hmm. you'd have to pass Auden, pass Minneota, pass Ghent to get down to Marshall. And then once in Marshall, you'd have to go southwest for a couple of miles to get to Lynn. He's not anywhere near where he thinks he is. And I know it's easy to get lost in these back roads, but that's like like extremely turned around. Right. Which is something that I'm like wondering, like 
Like, that is something that's burned into me. I'm wondering, how can you be that turned around? Right. I mean, there's, I mean, looking at the road, though, I Google Earth, I'm looking at the road. I get it. There's no signs out there. This is not, like, this mm-hmm. is farmland. There's no signs out there. So I get that you're not going to see some indicator to help you, but he is nowhere near where he thinks he is. Um, and again, it's so adamant and having a 47-minute conversation with his parents saying, this is where I am, and they are doing their best to find him, but how could they if he's just so completely not in the same area whatsoever? My other thing was, did he hang up the phone? Did it go dead? Was it destroyed? I was trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. So that's a whole can of questions itself. Yeah, yep. I don't know if you went down that path, but um, it was a black uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an older, <laughs> obviously it's 2008, so technology back then was yep. probably not as good as it was now. Um, I mean, there's so many theories. Yep. But something obviously happened to the phone. Um, and I do believe that the phone is, you know, I mean, whether it got, you know, wet, whether it fell, whether he dropped it, whether, you know, the battery died. But it's just the way that that conversation ended um, so abruptly and the way that it ended, um, you know, that's just there's so many questions. But as far as the phone, the phone right? something clearly happened to it. Yeah, and they never found the phone, right? Nope. Mm-mm. So, yeah, the way you just abruptly hang up like that, I felt like you saw somebody or something. Yeah. And, I mean, his parents were looking for him, obviously, that entire time, driving around, doing their best to locate their son, and were unsuccessful, obviously. Um, And then... You know, his parents continue to look for him, it says, for several hours until they finally called the police, which was at 6.30 a.m. So there's so much time in between, like, you know, and I think if his parents, if he, because he was so sure of where he was, I don't think that his parents, um, who knows, you know, but it seems like they were continuing to search within that area that Brandon said yeah. he was, with, which was Lynn. Right. right. So they were probably searching in the wrong area. They don't get a clue of what the actual area is until the cell phone pings hit. Now, right. the police in this regard, like this, this whole case in general, seem to kind of always be one step behind where they should be. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. the whole, like, first of all, we have a whole debate on why Brandon's on the on podcast anyway, and it's because of Brandon's law that they passed as a direct result of how the police handled this case. His parents went to them, and they wanted to issue the, you know, the missing persons, like, you know, when they called them in the morning or whatever, but didn't they make them wait? Didn't they make them wait a little while longer? Yeah, the police were kind of, which is a situation in so many of the missing cases that we, you know, have looked into or listened to or anything um, where you report someone missing. Clearly in this case, I mean, his parents are quite concerned because 
his son is, their son is reaching out for help. You know, he knows he's like lost or not. He doesn't know he's lost, but he, he doesn't have his vehicle because his vehicle is in a ditch and he's walking and having this conversation with his dad for 47 minutes. They're looking for him. So his parents know that he's asking for help. Hey, I need your help. Come get me. So they do what any parent would do and then contact police. And again, in so many cases, we just see the police say, well, he's 19 years old and they don't take it seriously and no diss on the police or anything like that. But in so many cases, this is always a recurring topic where they're, oh, well, you know, we can't report a missing. He's 19 years old. Like, um, he could have gone missing if he wanted to, or he's partying with his friends. Or, I mean, there's so many countless, like, things we've heard. Like, oh, no, they just don't take yep. it seriously. So I think in this situation, it sounds like they didn't, but it also leads me to believe that maybe they did because they were able to locate his vehicle at 1230, that afternoon. Yeah. So, so yeah. So they really get on it like, after a little bit. Yeah. Like once they decide that he's missing, because I think that they did at first say to the parents, like, well, look, Brandon has a right to be missing if he wants to be. To which they quickly mm-hmm. refuted with the stuff that you just talked about. Look, he called us asking for help. So obviously he's not like wanting to be missing. Now they did get into gear after that, um, and they were very proactive, but they, but. There's so much uh, that can be lost if you are not on the ball right away. You can lose opportunity. You can lose evidence. You can lose the case. You can lose the the person who did this right away. And also, other parts um, of this sort of case weren't fast-moving as well either, not just the police. So what I mean by that is – they have not been able to search a lot of these lands around here, right? Because the next thing would no, be like, well, did they do a search? And they did do, they did bring in dogs. I, I, I looked that up, and we're going to talk about that for a second too because they brought in dogs, right, to do the search. But if my understanding is correct, they weren't able to search nearly um, all of the properties because these farmers in question would not give the right to have their land searched. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, not necessarily the reasons that screen foul play or maybe like that. I mean, we've got to think about it. So it was um, – this is May 14th of 2018 in Minnesota. So we know that the weather was, you know, pretty chilly, 47 or something degrees, if I'm correct. It was pretty cold, um, yep. going down to, like, 39 degrees. So, and I mean, if, if you can look this up, obviously, what he was wearing and the description of what he had on. He was, I mean, I'm from California, so 47 degrees to me is absolutely freezing. So I would be wearing, I mean, you know about cold. Me, not so much. But what he's wearing <laughs> is, you know, he's just wearing a pair of jeans. He's wearing a Minnesota Twins cap, hat, like hat. He's wearing uh, just a sweatshirt, a t-shirt and like, uh, I think a sweatshirt. So he's not prepared yeah. to be one, like walking around in, you know, 47, 39 degree temperature. So, and then back to the farms during this time, I mean, they're, they're uh, planting their crops. So it's spring, um, they're getting all their crops ready. So maybe some of the farmers were worried, but I just don't understand why you wouldn't allow someone to search your land. I mean, especially thinking that these right. are all smaller farm communities and they're looking for a 19 year old kid who has gone missing. And so, so many questions as to why they weren't able to search some of these locations and farms because 
I mean, you would think that if it's a small knit community, someone goes missing, um, you would be like, yeah, like search. But I mean, there's obvious, obviously reasons why. I, I don't know why, but that's a right. big question again. So many questions. Why weren't they allowed to search? And I do think that, you know, for these farmers, it has to, some degree I think it has to do with just the crops and not wanting to have their lands decimated for the sake of, right. you know, well, what if he's not on my property? Now I just let you kill my whole, you know, crop this year and he's not on my property. Mm-hmm. So some of that, I think, a couple of things I want to clear up. 1230 is when he makes the call to his parents. Okay, I had some other times there earlier. 1230 is when he makes the call to his parents. They left their home to meet him. They're on the phone for that 47 minutes, and then 210 is when the call abruptly ends. You know, 310. 210 is when it ends because it drops the expletive. Um, and then also, this parents call the police at 630, right? Now, you're right, and we're right. The next day, they do once they – because they do wait till about noon. So they do anything. They ask them to wait till about noon, and then about 1230 – as it's getting gear, and it, and so that very next day is when they use the cellular phone records to locate his car. But they didn't even okay. it wasn't even 24 hours when they found the car. Um, when they found the car. Yeah. So just a couple of things to clear up there. Now the search, the dog. They did bring in dogs to search this area, and it wasn't just like. A couple of them. I mean, I think they brought in, like, quite a few canines for these searches. And yeah. if I'm if – I'm, make sure I got my notes right here. So they go to the, to the water, which makes sense, because remember, Brandon said he heard running water. They go to the water. Yeah, that's another thing. And he, he also kept mentioning to his father on the phone call, excuse me, that there were fences and that he kept having – you know, and he he also insisted again that he was near a golf course. So I'm assuming that's the the Marshall golf or Lynn's golf course that he thought he was um, near, because he continues to. I mean, I, I don't continue, sorry, but I mean he explains to his dad that he thinks he is near a golf course, and he can hear yeah. running water, and he continues to say that there are fences. So uh, you know fences like what kind of fences you know it's just it's so it's just so frustrating for his parents to be like where are you and he's like explaining it to him but he's obviously lost and it's kind of like i understand that everything looks fairly familiar so i could see why he would be thinking that he is exactly where he's telling them he is and why they would you know what i mean like there's some miscommunication Mm -hmm. going on here and obviously um you know, there, there's that. So, what else did I want to say about this? There's something I the, wanted to mention. The dogs, you were kind of talking, sorry, I interrupted there, but the dogs, so they were searching um, the canines, you know, for his scent. Yes, and, yes, they were searching for his scent, came to, the, came to the river, the dogs went in the river, went back out the river, and kept the trail going for a little while before it completely died down or for they lost the scent. Now, from what I read, that's not uncommon. For whatever reason, these hounds follow a scent for so long and they lose it. I don't know, that's, that sounds weird to me, but as I understand, that's not uncommon. But what we can take from that is 
they then entertained that he went into the river and came out of the river because because of what the dogs did. Now, and we're talking about the Yellow Medicine River here. So because these dogs kind of um, waded in and out, I think what's happening here is a lot of the authorities they they believed and they called they believe that he accidentally fell into the Yellow Medicine River while walking in the dark. He wore glasses. Which would make sense. Which would make sense to what he's describing about the running water. So he must have been clearly near the Yellow Medicine River, which we have proof of. Like the dogs kind of went in and out of there. So yeah, that's. Seems about right. They're, they're thinking, you know, that obviously there was some, you know, accident that had something to do with this. Um, the search itself, here, I want to, I want to go over some because they actually had some. They hired um, Jeff Hess of Search, Rescue, and Recovery Resources of Minnesota as the search organizer for the Swanson family. Um, a distance of 5.6 miles, square miles, I think, uh, or excuse me, 5.6 miles or 100 square miles is a common distance to cover in 95% of searches. And the Swanson search had covered about 60 of those 100 square miles. Previous searches hadn't yielded any physical clues, but 134 canine cues or scents have been found that point toward the northwest toward Porter which I mentioned earlier, has determined that searchers for Swanson the previous summer didn't go far enough in distance. So they wanted to keep going more towards order, thinking that the dogs just weren't searching um, enough in that right direction. They did have problems with the search. I will say that. Um, uh, human remains, they do believe, are present in the area, um, but they cannot pinpoint anything for Brandon. Um, there are strong winds that can move scents, you know, uh, kind of put things into what they call scent pools, where things are just kind of like, you know, kind of pulling together. There's a lot of stuff going on um, that yeah. kind of made the dogs only so reliable, right, made that part only so reliable. Um, it's a scattered over a wide area, um, so it's going to be hard. It's possible that predators have taken, you know, some parts of the remains uh, at some point, you know what I mean? So it would also be less likely that they would have come across it had some predators had gotten to it. Um, human activity could have inadvertently done something with the body. There's a lot of different explanations for what could have happened to him if it is true that he fell into this uh, body of water. Now, if you fell into the body of water, though, I feel like, like, wouldn't his dad I mean, have heard? I, I feel like, didn't they say, okay, well, I want to just rewind just a little bit back. I, one thing that I feel like the police department should have done is, don't you think, and I, maybe you agree with me or not, but again, we don't know if this is true or not. When we go back to the vehicle that they found, when they found the vehicle that following morning or afternoon, and it says that the car yeah. doors were open. I'm sorry, but if there's a car on the side of the road that you know this person's family is saying that this person has been missing, something happened, 
and is going through whatever, you know, like I'm on the phone with my son, like how frustrating that is. And then to find the vehicle, again, I'm not sure there's like, there's not any evidence how it, but again, it says cars with car doors open and the missing keys, safe to assume that the keys were with Brandon. If the car doors are open, like, did they not photograph the vehicle as the police department? Because that seems really suspicious. I, mean, I don't think they did. Uh, yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah. That is kind of suspicious because it's kind of like, like, if you were going to rifle through the car to get the stuff out of it, I don't know if you would leave the car doors open. Yeah, I don't know. That's just weird to me. But then going, yeah. I don't know. To me, it just I feels don't... like did they did they have that? Also, I don't know. Again, 19 years old. They said, and this is also hard to find, um, but in multiple reports, he said that there was a pipe found inside of the vehicle, which, I mean, he's 19. You're, you drink and you probably smoke like you're in college. Like, not, you right. know, so that's another thing that they were saying. So, I mean, I just, is there an actual report? Are they holding the other thing is, or? But the other thing is they didn't find the phone. If if no. If he fell into the river, and he was on the phone with his dad. Like, come on. Like, they would have found the phone. I they think. also stated that they sent up, they set up fences. So let's say, um, again, they could have set up fences, but maybe not in the right areas because this is such a wide area they've been searching. But according to a couple of sources, they did set up fences to along the uh, Yellow Medicine River just in case something did you know, get swept up or whatever, Um, excuse me, which again, they have not, and to your point, Ralph, not only did they not find the phone, they've literally found zero trace of him. It's like he literally disappeared. So the only thing that they found was the vehicle. So that's why I can't say animals and stuff like that, because you would find like some part, it'd be a sock, a foot, something, nothing, right? There's literally no trace of this guy. Everything disappeared. Um, and they had more than 500 volunteers, including 34 dog handlers, nine different states, spent more than 120 days, all in all, searching for Brandon and covered more than 120 square miles, according to that Jeff Hasfellow. So even if the initial searches weren't that good, I would have to think that all the follow-up work would yield something unless he's in some of those areas that they haven't been allowed to search. That's the other thing that you have to think about. But those areas that they that he was not allowed to search, what I want to know is, of those areas, where is their water, right? Because it sounds like we're talking about farmland, somebody's property. So, he, you know, if you're going off the theory that he fell into the lake, then that doesn't gel with that either, okay? Right. He wouldn't have, you know, it's just very weird that, he sort of says the expletive that hangs up, or, or I guess the call's over. Or the call drops, or, yeah. We're not really sure right. how. And I know that his parents, I believe, did stay on the phone with him. And in one of the interviews that his mom did with HLN, um, she says that, you know, they didn't initially right away hang up the phone, um, that they... Hey kept calling out for him to see, like, even if he had dropped it, maybe they could hear his, her, their voice or see the light of the phone. Um, so we know that even after the call was dropped, um, they they didn't hang up on their end right away, which is also confusing to me because 
that would require him not to hang up on his end too. Is that not correct for for you to? Uh, but again, I'm not sure, but I, I just know that. I think so. That yeah. was, I think there's some ambiguity in terms of what would happen, which is why I looked up that cell phone. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, you know that was one of the things that struck out as weird to me too, because it seemed like almost in my mind, if you fall, okay, Rosalie, are you going to scream out? you know, oh, shit, or are you going to just scream or just, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. like I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like he saw somebody. Yeah, or, you know, or I mean, it's just, I mean, I guess this is where we can kind of get into the theories and what we believe because there are quite a bit of theories. And I think, again, it's because there's just so many unanswered questions. Um, in this particular are, case. Yeah, because I feel like if, if something startles me, I'm going to scream. But if right. I see something that is shocking, then I would say what he said. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. That's the big difference right there to me is he said something. That's not that. That's you choosing to react versus you reacting to something touching you or grabbing you or pulling you or you know what I mean? Like I just I right. don't. It just seems to me like um, I'm trying to cue on did he did he hang up the phone on purpose or did he think somebody was coming or something was coming? I shared with you before I thought maybe he saw an animal and I thought maybe that would be a good reason to say that and then hang up the phone like you don't want to keep making noise, right? So you would right. just hang up the phone, you know? I I don't know. Right. Yeah, again, there's just I, so many theories. It's just, um, I, I mean, and to me, I think the biggest thing here is the fact that typically in cases, and I just feel so sad for his family, like typically in cases like this, you have something to go on as far as like we found this or found that. I mean, they virtually found absolutely nothing. And again, it could be that they just haven't been able to search where they need to search. And here's the other thing is that not, I mean, aside from where the dogs kind of followed the trail, don't really know where, which direction he walked, right? Because, again, the sun right. was lost and then pick up. And so there's virtually just a field and miles and miles of, like, farmland and obviously, like, a river and so much to cover that it could very well be that they just, like, you know, um, they just weren't able to search right. where they needed to. It's very possible. I mean, it's also possible he was attacked by something out there because, again, that makes sense for why you hang up the phone, why you had that paralyzing in the call, be quiet, sort of a deal go down. But also, he was a little dude. He was not big. You know what I mean? So it's possible that he could have been mauled by something. I did look up animals in the area. I was very curious about some of that stuff, too. Um, I don't know. I don't think that they are, like, the part of Minnesota that they're in is the part that I, like, doesn't gel for me. Um, Like, if they were up in, like, the northern part of Minnesota, then I would say, 
yeah, I'm thinking wolf, I'm thinking bear. But just the fact that they're, like, in the southwest corner or, or you know, I, down there it's much more farmland. I don't think that something carried him off like that. I did survey the landscape trying to look and see if there's areas around there where certain predators mm-hmm. could live. There's, a, um, there's, like, a wildlife preserve near there. But it's like, and people go there to the vacation and stuff, but it's not like those type of animals. It's more like fishing and stuff like that. Um, it's not, I don't think you're going to find like black bears and stuff like that. But I will say there are thousands of wolves in Minnesota. They were off the endangered species list in Minnesota in 2010 because they are repopulating so much. The gray wolves eat large prey. So Brandon could be the size of a large prey for them. Um, black bears habitat and range. They live in forests and swamps and other areas with dense covering. So a lot of that Yellow River area where they think that he might have wandered in kind of fits that slash other areas with dense cover. But they also venture in the clearings to feed. So, you know, possible they could come out in the open for that. They're found mainly in the northern third of Minnesota, but range as far south as the um, interface between the forest and the agricultural zones. Very possible. And a bear, too. Um, I think the sense that the dog was worth smelling could very well have possibly been parts of him or parts of his clothing or parts of, you know, materials that were with him that could have been moved at some point maybe after whatever happened to him. Um, yeah. I'm, and that's one of the theories, of too. Yeah. Uh, that maybe he did come into foul play, not necessarily – um, that someone did something to him, uh, like let's say intentionally, but that he was wandering around, you know, and maybe he did go into the river and now he's wet, now he's cold, now he's, again, we also remember he is blind in his left eye. So for it probably would be difficult to kind of navigate yourself, one, in the dark, two, cold, three, now you're wet, you have no idea where you are. Um, and there's so yep. many theories. So wild animal theories, um, foul play, they haven't really touched on that. They don't, the hypothermia. Um, again, I'm from Los Angeles, don't really know too much about like farms and stuff. I will say I've spent tons of time in Canada. My husband's family's from Canada and his family actually, they're farmers. And when I spoke to them, in regards to this particular situation. A thing that I just thought about as a possibility, again, a crazy theory, but so many theories in this particular situation, they grow corn. So they have tons of land and back, you know, gravel roads, everything does look like the same, like you said earlier, Ralph. So you're in the dark, you can see lights far away. Um, You start walking in the direction you think, there's senses and different types of terrain. You're on the phone, you're like, yeah, this is where I am. I'm walking towards this. Um, and I was just talking to them as far as, like, at the time of year. So, I mean, it could also be possible that he just, like, he just got hypothermia, was laid down on a field somewhere, crops grew. Um, you know, there's this thing called silaging corn. This, so this was in May. I don't think they silaged corn until the fall, getting ready for, you know, to have feed for, for the, the cattle. Um there's also like hay bales, like, you know, how, how long do we know that maybe he was out in the field and he came 
into contact by accident with farming equipment. I mean, that could also be something that could have happened. And again, they're unable to search some of these farms. Um, so yeah. that's another unanswered, unanswered question. And, um, you know, it could have been, I mean, that could have happened. Um, but it just, again, goes back to not being able to really search certain areas because the area is so large and we don't really know which direction he, because even if the phone call dropped, he could have continued to walk for however long. Right. Yeah. But yep. I think that in my, what I obviously am no expert whatsoever, but I think that maybe something did happen to him shortly after that conversation ended, because you would think that maybe during the daylight, you would see that you're not maybe where you thought you were and you could have continued to walk some in maybe in the right direction if possible. Sure. But yeah, no, nothing, you know, there's nothing, nothing, nothing has been found. Yeah. That's a weird one here. Um, and no new leads either, right? Like they haven't found like, like you say, any little scrap of this or that or whatever. So, we're still kind of just, you know, hoping that, like I said earlier, somebody would come forward with some information. But the more and more time goes on, I just think it's likely that we may never know. I do think maybe, I don't know, I wish I could put some solid guess on it, but Rosalie, I think if I had to say, like, maybe some animal or something, like, I, like, if he fell in the river and fell and came out of it, and then, like, so what? Then he died of hypothermia? Like, I, I don't know. Like, then why why haven't we found it? Why would that person not come forward? That would be different than, like, a dead body that's possibly on your property, but we don't know about it. In that case, he would have to be in a silo. And I don't know why he would be in a silo. I had no – unless somebody put him there. That, But then if yeah. you – what, you murdered him and then you put him in a silo? That doesn't make sense either. Um, so there's just a lot of, like, weirdness. About what happened and to if this it was dude, a, and I just took Yeah. And if there was an accident, for example, something like accidentally happened on the farm or due to farming equipment, I mean, you would think that maybe they would, you know, come forward and say, you know, it was an accident. I'm sure at this point, right. Brandon's parents and family just really want answers. I mean, um, the one thing that, I mean, it's hard to say the one good thing that came of this because I, you know, it's just like such a terrible thing, but um, his parents did do a lot in order to change laws in Minnesota, which um, no, it's just oh. so sad that something like this has to happen for, for laws to kind of change. Um, but they did fight for that Brandon's law that you talked about earlier, Ralph. And so now, um, you know, in Minnesota, you're able to report someone missing and not have police, you know, go back to yeah. like, you're 19, like, you're 21, you're whatever age, um, you can go missing on your own accord. It's like, well, you know, clearly in this particular situation, I find it hard to believe that Brandon went missing on, like, he wanted to be missing because to have a 47-minute long conversation with a family member, your mom and your dad, to try to find you seems just like, why you know 
I just, you know, I think also, like, I had to be fair and say that um, other people who study this have said that um, they don't believe his parents are the kind that would not, that, that would cover up if he was drunk, like, because they just want to find him. Like, if, they, if he was drunk, then they would have said that, as opposed to what they said, is, is what the sentiment is that I'm getting. So, um, And I think you and I couple, talked about this, too. You can kind of hide yeah. a little bit of your intoxication when you're, you know, younger. Like, oh, I got to call mom or dad, like, get it together. But for right. 47 minutes seems quite a long time to try to keep it together. But, again, exactly. we don't really know exactly what happened during that 47-minute conversation. So, um, you were talking about some of the things his parents did. Um, on March 12, 2009, Brian and Annette Swanson spoke before the House to help expand the Minnesota's Missing Children's Act so it can help missing and endangered adults. The bill named Brandon's Law will eliminate waiting periods when adults disappear under suspicious circumstances or when young adults up to the age 21 are reported missing under most circumstances. On Wednesday, May 6, 2009, Governor Tim Pawlenty signed that bill into law. So Brandon's law became law then. Uh, as you said, some silver lining in all this. Um, also want to mention, just again, facts of the case. So if anybody has any information, Brandon Victor Swanson, 19 years old, last seen, 514-08, Canby, Minnesota. His car was found near Totten, Minnesota. Five five, hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty pounds. Brown hair, blue eyes. Last seen wearing baggy blue jeans, blue striped polo shirt, black hooded zip front sweatshirt with emblem on the back. White Minnesota Twins baseball cap, glasses, sterling silver chain. Was carrying a black Motorola SLVR cell phone, wallet identification and keys. This has now been turned over to the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, the BCA, and the uh, person to speak to with regards to any information you have would probably at this point be Special Agent Woodford, 651-793-7000. Brandon's story was featured on Nancy Grace, uh, America's Missing. I also uh, received sources um, for our podcast today from uh, the Nancy Grace transcript. I got sources from the Pioneer Press, uh, a very good article um, on the disappearance in there as well. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to think if there's any other theory that we haven't gone over. And I think those are the most popular ones, the hypothermia, an animal, somebody, you know, kills them, hides them, um, I'm trying to think anything else. Um, there's, you know, there's just, you know, that he drowned in the river. I think we pretty much covered all of the, the bigger theories. Clearly, in a case like this, there's always going to be, I'm sure there's a lot of small town talk and stuff like that. Really don't have um, too much to touch on that. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a really, I guess this is one of those cases that really just has me scratching my head. And even the more I look into it, I feel like the more confused that I become versus when you look into any other kind of case, you kind of come up with more answers. But in this particular case, I just came up with so many more questions. And you and I were always like, well, what about this? Or what about that? And what about this? And it just comes yeah. down to the fact that there is virtually zero evidence to go on. They've, so that's just like, we could sit here and talk about it all day. But 
Um, it's just really unfortunate. And I just, you know, are obviously our, our, um, we feel for his family and we, we feel for um, his friends, you know, that he was 19 and he seemed like he had a plan. So I don't think, I'm not an expert again, but I don't think he went missing um, on his own or wanted to start a new life, which is another one of the theories out there. I just think he, you know, he, he was getting it together. He was in school and had plans and this doesn't seem like that would be uh, one of the theories I looked into really much at all. I've got some other stuff from this blog um, too about Brandon Swanson. Um, so just a couple things I want to reinforce here. Sniffer dogs tracked him from his car, which was located on Lyon Lincoln County Road, about 11, I'm sorry, one and a half miles north of Route 68 from Brandon's vehicle. It traveled a half mile south, then turned west into 390th Street, where it continued for a mile. Then the trail turned north onto Coe Road 16. The trail continued north for a half mile, then turned west onto the driveway of an abandoned farm. It continued west for approximately a fourth of a mile, then left the driveway and roughly followed the course of the Yellow Medicine River, heading northwest. At one point, the bloodhound jumped into the Yellow Medicine River, and then exited it. The handler interpreted this behavior as possibly indicating that Brandon might have fallen into the river at that point. However, the trail continued past this point to a drainage where it continued north towards the gravel road forming the boundary between Lincoln and Yellow Medicine counties. The dog was unable to trail any further. Now, a dog can only track, this is the part I was talking about earlier, the dog can only track a set so far so it doesn't mean Brandon died there. His father said as they talked, and Brandon said, oh, shit, he heard something that sounded like Brandon's foot slipping. He was walking along the river and probably said, oh, shit, and then fell in. His phone probably smashed against the rocks or became submerged in water. It's possible. Um, it's possible, but again, I would say the river is not deep. It's pretty right. shallow. He's a 19-year-old boy. They claim he wasn't drunk. He could swim, so he should be able to get himself out of the river there is what I'm thinking. Um, Which it sounds so like that possibly that would have happened, but did happen just because the dogs go in the river and come back out. So I'm assuming that at some point yeah, I think he did have contact with the river. That. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do I know that damn dog wasn't just you know, going for a little <laughs> swim right there? It's, like, well, I think I think what the dog did. Thing? Correct me if I'm wrong. The dog did go into the river and then come right back mm-hmm. out. So, mm-hmm. could have been when he slipped and fell into the river, and he, you know, said "oh" and fell and got back out and continued to walk. Seems like he walked for a really long time. Like, yeah, he could have done that. That could have been it, right? He could have said he could have shot at the expletive when he slipped into the river. And then he could have continued to walk. But here's the thing about that. Okay, so why wouldn't he call his dad back? Well, maybe his phone got wet. Okay, so his phone got wet. He couldn't call his dad back. But the phone, I don't know. It's like he still has it, I guess, so it's on him wherever he is. It's just weird that he doesn't, like, what happens to him after that? So he gets hypothermia and just dies somewhere. Like, why can't they find him then? Again, if, yeah, if yeah. that's the case and you're trying to convince me that he died on somebody's property, 
Why aren't they letting him search? Why aren't they letting him search? That's not the same. Like, why would he go climb into a silo and die? That doesn't make sense. So the hypothermia thing, I feel like, even if he was, like, walking for a little while and it just caught up with him, he got so cold, he had to stop, and he just succumbed to it and died. And if the animals got him, then we would find some evidence of that. How is there no evidence yeah. of him at all is the point that I keep going back to. It's like, I'm, it's not that what they say is not plausible, but if that happened, we would have some something to go on. You know what I mean? Like right. something. Yeah, and again, back to that to the this whole thing is that there's really nothing to go on. I think a question that I always also have when it comes to this case is, you know, who was he calling prior to calling his parents, and did those people attempt to call him? after I mean I don't think it would really matter obviously but I mean he did I mean to call your parents at 19 years old and tell them come get me is probably the last person you're gonna call so I think Brandon was really just trying to like you know and again regardless of whether he was intoxicated wasn't intoxicated did smoke marijuana didn't smoke marijuana it doesn't really like at the end of the day he he was calling his parents for help and yeah, that's what they were trying the to do. Yep, he thought he knew where he was. Realized he did not know where he was. Called his parents for help, and uh, he was never uh, seen or heard from him again. Something happened to him. Yeah, yeah I, that's a weird one, man. That's such a weird one. I just this one has just been so rough for me. <laughs> It really know, has because there's just no answer, like, at all. And it's, like, just baffling. Like, no trace of him is the part that I don't – that's the part that doesn't gel for me. Everything they say is plausible, but if that happened, there would be some trace of him somewhere. So Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a weird one. Really well, that's is, the case yeah. of Brandon Swanson. That's uh, – I think that's pretty much it. Did we leave anything out? Did we throw No, I out? think we – I think we, we we covered everything we think and curious to see what everybody else thinks and again we just you know again his poor family really that must be really hard because I mean we're here sitting scratching our heads trying to obviously think about what happened so it's really sad to think about what they must be thinking and feeling sure. so it's really sad yep. so again if you know anything even the smallest piece of information Ralph's going to tell you where you can go leave that information or who you can contact. <laughs> exactly. We will get all that information posted for sure uh, if you didn't get it before um, when I mentioned it. But, yes, I'll get all that posted. And let us know what you think. <laughs> let us know yeah. if you have a theory about what happened. Or maybe this is something that you've already kind of known about or researched a little bit. I'd be very interested to hear what some of the other people think. Uh, out there, but at any rate, Rosalie, thank you for joining me on the very thank first you. episode of <laughs> Of course. <laughs> Hopefully we'll do this again at some point. We'll have, there are other murder mysteries out there that need to get solved, so we'll have to reconvene. <laughs> I would love to. Awesome, Miss. Well, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, once again, TigerBombSAE.com. You can listen to this podcast as well as Spotify, iTunes, 
Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, just Google, just search for it by Tiger Bob Sports Audio Entertainment, and then you will be able to listen to the very first episode of What Happened. So that's it, guys. Peace. Bye.